Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your host, Javi. And today, in case you didn't know, we are talking about the... Crap, what year? 2001 coming-of-age story. Coming-of-age hood film, which is actually an interesting mashup of genres. Uh, Baby Boy. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the idea to review this movie came out of a discussion that we had when we were doing... uh, fast and furious or, or too fast too furious last week and we talked about this is this is essentially the first time that tyrese and john singleton worked together and i guess they had a pretty reasonable uh work relationship since they end up getting back together just two years later for too fast too furious uh yeah who knew you know what's funny something i didn't realize was the working relationship tyrese and john singleton had until we started doing like research and by research, I mean like an IMDb dive on this film <laughs> where it's like John, like Tyrese Gibson was also in four brothers. And it's like, that's a movie I totally forgot was also uh, directed by John Singleton. Yeah. And to be honest, like this movie, this is another one of those movies kind of like what we talked about with too fast, too furious last, last week, but maybe even more so this is just one of those movies that has always been on TV and I have watched on TV a countless amount of times, like to the point where I know this movie so well, I, I may not even had to have watched it to do this podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, this movie is when it came out, I was like, what, 11 years old. I was young still. Right. I was in my tweens essentially. Would you say that you were a baby boy? <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at this time i was already like you know I, I had already like been into rap music and all that kind of stuff and i think one of the most notable or memorable things that everyone remembers about this movie is that this was john like john singleton essentially wrote this movie uh with tupac in mind as the main character but it comes out in 2001, which is five years after Tupac passed away. So uh, it it feels like a movie that is from a different time than when it's taking place, right? Like it, it's we talked about it with Too Fast, Too Furious, but John Singleton comes onto the scene with Boys in the Hood, um, and it ends up getting really big Oscar buzz, right? Uh, he follows up Boys in the Hood with. Uh, with Poetic Justice, which features Tupac and Janet Jackson in it, and is also really like, you know, again, it, it was this really good, like, period in time uh, for these, like, hood films to be taking place, right? And uh, for Boys in the Hood, it was LA. I believe Poetic Justice is in Oakland, if I remember correctly. That's the city it takes place in. This is back in LA again. Uh, Tyrese is wearing khakis and, like, you know, those, uh, those diggy suits, which, you know, felt more 90s than 2000s for sure. But, uh, mm-hmm. but again, it's, it's, you know. I mean, I you think, can kind of make an argument that this, this movie has a bit of a timeless feel to it. It does, for sure. I mean, obviously the car is a 2000, 2001 car uh, that, uh, that Yvette drives in. But it is a I movie mean, that. Those are also cars that we see in our neighborhoods going up. Right. Like, there are people still driving those cars. Right. Um, I think it's important to kind of mention, like, before we get into this, is, you know, there's going to be some stuff in this movie. Like, there's some stuff in this movie that's a bit ridiculous, right? 
um, or just certain scenes in the movie that are, you can't help but laugh at it. And I think one of the things that we want to be very careful and just want to like say up front is, you know, there are things in this movie that we're going to find funny and we might poke fun at it and stuff like that. I think it's very important for us to also mention that we're not here to really laugh at the exploitation of black people or black culture, right? I think one of the easiest readings to come out of this movie is, you know, essentially what the narrator says in the beginning, right? Uh, that the thesis of it kind of is that black men are, it takes longer for them to develop and mature, I guess, is what it's kind of implying as like the point of this film. I would look at it from a different angle because I cannot speak to that perspective and I'm not going to try to. I, I would actually just look at this more of like, what makes this movie kind of feel relevant now is I feel like, you know, this movie kind of portrays a prolonged adolescence from our main character here. And I think the funniest thing out of that is that if you look at where we are now in modern times, I think everyone lives prolonged adolescence now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, well, in that way, it's very, it's, it's one of those movies that kind of hits a nerve or it, ha it hits a feeling that I think we can all relate to in that sense. Absolutely. And, and that's really the perspective I want to kind of look at it from is just, you know, this is a movie that I watched when I was a teenager and much like when we did 500 days of summer last year, it's how do I feel about it as a younger person when I watched it? And what's the difference in how I feel about it now as an older person? So, yeah, it's really hard coming at movies or, you know, coming at movies, um, talking about certain movies when it comes, when they have hold a certain cultural significance or when they are about a certain cultural experience, especially one that Angel and I don't share. Uh, like for example, when we talked about do the right thing, a lot of it was like, yeah, there was a lot of things Angel and I could relate to, but we ultimately had to agree and understand that we have a very limited role in what, in kind of what of our experience was in relation to that film. Same here. Like our relation, our, our role is very limited into what our experience was like compared to what's portrayed in the movie Baby Boy. Right. Uh, but so, yeah, we just want to do we want to offer a no bullshit kind of assessment of what we think of the movie while still trying to be, um, I guess, respectful of stuff that we might not understand and stuff that we don't really that we just don't get. Right. And I think ultimately that's what it is, just admitting that sometimes we don't know what we don't know, I guess. Um, uh, yeah. So before we get any further into this, what's your experience with this movie? Because obviously mine's like goes back a long way. <laughs> Literally just the song. I remember the song baby boy. And I remember when the movie first came out, I just, I had no interest in watching it. I remember it just looked I, like, especially when you see the pictures of like Snoop Dogg with the perm, I'm just like, nah, I'm, it, it's not, it's not tickling my spots, chief. I'm like, I'm not really about this. <laughs> um so honestly my my first experience was watching it for this week's review like <laughs> nice perfect yeah I'm, I'm i'm totally down with that so all right so this movie revolves around uh jody right who is our main character and he lives in uh, south central la uh in his mother's house uh the movie actually starts <laughs> with like you know the narration that we were talking about a little earlier 
and it has the character of Jody actually inside of a uterus, right? Like, I was like, what the fuck yeah. am I looking at? <laughs> and it's like, I get it when you when you couple that with like the narration talking about like the 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 prolonged adolescence of young black men in America, and you kind of talk about the the in, infantilization. I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like how, and it kind of goes back to a lot of things we talked about in the past. How you know, sir, in you know black culture at least as far as here in america goes they are there are folks that are treated like like kids you know (laughs) like folks that don't know better well we should also be very careful here as well i i think in certain respects one of the unfortunate things about the way our society views like black americans is in some cases they will be infantilized right and looked at as if they were younger but in many other cases, i.e. a lot of these cases where, uh, you know, society or this country as a whole is looking for excuses for why young black men had to die, the opposite takes place, right? They're, it's the they, they're, like you selectively choose when right. to view black men in this lens. And that's the problem. That's yeah. the real problem here is that, is that the idea is like, we're going to look at you or treat you as if you're a child or as an adult, whenever it suits whatever we're trying to say. And that's ultimately the big struggle that Jody deals with in the entire film is kind of like struggling in how, in what ways is he treated like a boy and which ways is he treated like a man, right? Right. But so that specific- imagery is fantastic in that sense. <laughs> really? I would actually criticize the imagery in this, not because I don't think it's appropriate. It just feels a little too on the nose for me. And my best, like... <laughs> the best way that I could that, that I could compare it to something else is you you know the end, spoiler alert for the departed but you know the ending of the departed where uh you look out the window and you see like a rat like crawl across the screen and like it's essentially the movie telling you oh this is about rats like you know like it, <laughs> this it's is about just, them dirty rats <laughs> it's like the it's the one step too far I feel like this is the thing that's just the one steps one step too far you know what we watched inglorious bastards where brad pitt looked us right in the face and pretty much said this is quentin tarantino's masterpiece and suck it down you chuds <laughs> yeah so it's like i'm uh, at a certain point on the nose i'm fine with on the nose i thought it was like I, I think it plays into pretty much what john singleton wanted to say as far as baby boy you know so i i didn't i didn't i didn't hate the imagery i see what you're saying uh, that it's it, it can be seen as on on the nose for some folks i think you either like it or you you don't care for it yeah uh the beginning of this movie finds uh jody i guess picking up yvette who is his you know his his main love interest in this movie mm-hmm. and mother of his of one of his children uh she is leaving in clearly an abortion clinic right um this movie hits with the realism or with the realness like right away it's yeah it's rough right i feel i'm not gonna lie 100 like being like 100 honest here i felt super uncomfortable at the beginning like especially when you have the 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 juxtaposition of jody in the womb with yvette walking out of an abortion clinic or what you're left to assume is that she just had an abortion 
<laughs> and I'm just like, yay. <laughs> well, it's it, what's super difficult about this is kind of like, you know, like it's just, I feel like our attitudes on this, they, it shouldn't have taken so long for it to change, but I feel like our attitudes on this, it, you're watching it from a modern perspective. It's very easy to turn against Jody almost immediately, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you have if so much sympathy from twenty twenty eyes. Yes. Yeah, you have a lot of sympathy for Yvette. Um, I mean, you know, it's very likely that she did come to this decision with him. You know, and and that's who they've decided together that the best course of action was her getting a, an abortion. In some ways, it feels like it's more him than her. Mm-hmm. But the movie doesn't tell you that, so I can't assume that, right? Uh, you know, but regardless of, of whether regardless of whether it's something that he tells her or it's something that they come up with together, it's not out of the realm of possibility that no matter how they got there, that there's difficulty dealing with it. You know, like obviously, <clears throat> I've never, <laughs> neither of us are women, neither of us ever have or ever will go through the you know, physical part of an abortion and maybe not even the, the, the mental or emotional, right? Again, one of those experiences that we will never experience, but you, again, it, you, you have so much sympathy for Yvette. She's played by Taraj P. Henson, who I think is the best actress. She's the best actor in this, right? Um, and it's no surprise that she would come out of this cast and essentially become the biggest star in terms of you know of being an actor uh when she does hustle and flow a few years later yeah i think out of everybody she's probably out of this entire cast she probably went on to have i guess the most distinguished career out of the group yes absolutely um but man i was i, <laughs> I wasn't ready for ving rames to be in this movie <laughs> and, you know this is a good this is a, like those early aughts those like 2000s were were a great time for Ving Rhames, you know, because he it just felt like he was doing just like fun roles, and then because uh, he you know he had this where he was just the suave and sexy. Wait, did I say sexy out loud? <laughs> I was reference to Melvin. <laughs> well, he's definitely not Marcellus Wallace in this, right? Yeah, he's not Marcellus Wallace. And then three years later, he goes on to do the Dawn of the Dead reboot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the tw- the two thousands is, is pretty, if you like Ving Rams, it's a good decade. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, like when they're leaving this abortion clinic back to like the heart of this, um, <clears throat> Jody and Yvette kind of argue, right? Like it, it just, it feels like their relationship is one where she's constantly pulling him to have to, to, to have to grow up. Right. <clears throat> like she she is very clear about what she wants and not through her own choice totally right like what makes her feel more like the adult in the room than Jody is they obviously both had kids together right they both had a child together but his life has not been inconvenienced by this hardly at all right like oh, we no, see like- we see Jody's mom we see the house that he lives in, which has like posters and cars, and it feels like a teenager's room, right? Like it still feels like it, it feels like the bedroom that you would have had before you became an adult and met, you know, a significant other. Like it just does, right? 
And it's the bachelor pad. <laughs> whereas Yvette lives in her apartment with the card that she makes payments on, mm-hmm. with Jody's child that, like, you know, he goes to see her when he wants. He takes her car whenever he wants. Like, <clears throat> it is... You know, it it feels like she was the one that was forced to actually grow up by the act of, you know, bearing a child and he did not. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of also part of what the thesis of this movie is, right? Right. And I don't, and and I, while this movie is looking at it exclusively from the lens of a black man, I don't think it's in, if I'm watching it, you know, as someone who is not black, like it's it doesn't look exclusively to me like it's just that perspective like i think in general we, you know they talk about how men men take longer to mature than women do um men are very selfish by nature and i think we talked about it to large extents when we went through 500 days of summer right <clears throat> we're especially in this age group and we're talking about that 18 to 25 like age range yes like that is probably when us as men we are the most selfish, self-absorbed and just kind of like egotistical, not in the or egocentric, not in the sense that we think we're the shit and we want all the attention. We it's we we view the world in how does this affect me directly? Yes. And and, and I'll say this. Little, I'll oh, say yeah, this as a as a, you know, over 30 married man that I think, you know, I'm still guilty of this, right? Like, we're still guilty of doing this, even when we're married, living with our spouse and in older age. There are many moments where men will have that, you know, well, how does this affect me without really thinking about the fact that the women that we are with have already put everything aside to raise our children, (laughs) you know? Like, and that's, and, and, and I think that comes from the fact that we don't physically have to, we do not physically have to go through the brunt of having children. And it's mm-hmm. just that simple. I think the fact that women have to actually go through the physical part of having children, it gives them a perspective that we will never understand, even though we need to try, right? Like we need to do our best to try to do it. It's, we just won't. to to the same extent that they do and um so you won't get it but it's fine as long as we make the like you said the important thing is making the effort and being and offering that empathy right right and 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 i think that's the thing with with the character of joey right like he he doesn't really care about it he is more interested in getting her like a milkshake if that'll make you feel better you know And, and again that's shit you say when you're like a young person and you're like when you're a when when you're a young like teenager and you're like oh yeah this this is how I'll fix things like you know it's like that whole scene where she's like crying and she's emotional because she's just been through this like through this difficult experience of having the abortion process absolutely and I think even if you go through the experience of childbirth there is a period of time right where intimacy does not occur and may not occur because even though you have not physically experienced anything, your partner has, right? And mm-hmm. they may not be physically, emotionally, or whatever, anything in the mood to to kind of get on with it. And you're just kind of like, as a man, you're like, yeah, let's just get over this and, and, and get to where I want to go from here. Let's just get to the humping. <laughs> That's the vibe I get, right? Like, that is the vibe I get from, from the character of Jody. Like, from instantly 
that he drops her off at her place, takes her car, and has no qualms, you know, uh, seeing, has no qualms seeing his other, uh, you know, baby's mother and uh, having relations with her as well, right? Yeah, and it's like on the same day too, and I'm like, God (laughs) damn. (laughs) Yeah, it's difficult. He is the, in this point in his life, he is the definition of scumbag Steve, if you remember that. (laughs) Oh, God. So then, uh, yeah, so he ends up hooking up with, with, okay, I was a little confused because he does bring up the girl Peanut a couple times. Yes, Peanut Um, is the other baby's mother. So uh, Peanut, Peanut is his daughter's mother and Yvette is his son's mother. Okay, and his son is the older one, so... Peanut is the 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 girl he stepped out with on his relationship with the vet. Had a Correct. baby with her. Yep. Um. You know, still around. And I guess it, it's really interesting because for a little bit of this movie, it's very much like a slice of life, right? Like we get we get a kind of a cross section of what it looks like to be in the life of Jody during this time. A slice of his life. Yes. Yeah. Specifically, a slice <laughs> of his life. Not we, of a life. Yeah, I like, think I think as adults, women, or people with more perspective, we like pay closer attention to what's going on with Yvette and Jody's mother and like all this other stuff. We pay attention to that because <clears throat> you know, because of that's just where we are. But this movie isn't doing that. This movie is specifically showing you his point of view. Yeah. So it is a slice of his life. He has his doesn't have a car. He rides his bicycle from uh, Yvette's, you know, apartment to his to his home when he's not driving her car, right? <clears throat> yep. He hangs out with his homie Sweet Pea, played yes. by Omar Gooding. <laughs> who, who Omar Gooding I know from watching Hanging with Mr. Cooper and Smart Guy. Like he was he was the buddy in sitcoms for me. So the fact that he he's and he's also the younger sibling of Cuba Gooding Jr., right? So yes, I knew that. I knew so, that the top of my head. So his like, you know, his is which is funny because Cuba Gooding is in Boys in the Hood, right? So oh it, shit! So it does. That's feel a like connection I didn't think about. <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. I didn't realize the kind of like connections that I thought of between this and Boys in the Hood until I watched it. You know, mm-hmm. like he, he, Omar Gooding really is the doughboy character, kind of like, you know, Ice Cube's character from Boys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, the character of Jody actually does, in some way, remind me of, uh, of Trey from Boys in the Hood because he was the guy who had to watch the death of his, well, in Boys in the Hood, it's the death of his best friend, Ricky, right? It, whereas mm-hmm. in this movie, even though you don't see him, you uh, come to find out that Jody uh, is one of two boys in this family, right? Yeah. The older brother uh, was apparently either had problems with his mother or was thrown out for whatever reason, right? Jody tells you, Jody tells you specifically that it's because his mother was with another man who made her throw him out of the house. But we know Jody well enough watching this movie that he may not be the most reliable narrator, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's more of like his perspective is that it's her fault that he's gone. But this kid moves out of the house, and when he's gone, that's when he's murdered. So, mm-hmm. you know, you met. I think the difficult part about this is that, you know, Jody kind of throws it in his mom's face a lot. 
but you you have to imagine that she deals with the grief of that as much if not more than he does the grief and the guilt you know yeah. and, <laughs> and and that's a the big push pull between jody and his mom uh juanita i think that's her name yep mm-hmm. yeah and that's a big push pull where she wants to move on and she wants to make a life for herself at this point and normally that is a trope that is used to kind of uh demonize the women in a movie However, when the, it's not completely unreasonable when her son is like in his early 20s <laughs> and yeah. she's like expecting some sort of semblance of independence from him. And it's like, it's understandable, you know, she, she's still relatively young looking. Like, I'm not going to lie, Juanita looks kind of like a baddie in this movie. <laughs> well, apparently so, she's supposed to be 36. Yeah. So, so, she, she, so she had Jody at a very young age. She had, yeah, she had both her kids at a very young age. So it's like she still has a lot of her life left to live while Jody is trying to hold her. I don't want to, well, there's not really much mention of Jody, Jody's dad, but he's trying to hold her down to this like weird ideal that he projects onto his mom as to what a woman should do, right? Yes. And and this and we all do this. Like, you know, like men do this. We have an ideal picturesque like thought of what what the women in our life are supposed to be like and it is very much based on how our mothers were with us. And I think Ooh. the difficult part about men specifically is that men are treated in our in our culture, right? Like if we're talking about just Hispanic culture, Mm-hmm. Men are treated with such reverence, respect, <laughs> and kind of overpraise because of the chauvinistic nature of our culture, right? Like, it, it, it's just different. So, mm-hmm. in many ways, I, I do feel like the infantization of men is kind of something that is pushed along even further by those kinds of things right mm-hmm. like you know oh well you know the women in the family are the ones that should be cleaning cooking and all that kind of stuff so we don't make the men do that and it kind of like forces gender roles onto people right like to the point where it, i think i think it does it does contribute to the fact as you know as to why men can't just take care of basic needs for themselves you know, it's, it's diff- like, even I, like there's certain things where I just, I'm not as responsible as my wife is <laughs> and she mm-hmm. needs to remind me of all the responsibilities that I need to take care of at any moment. And, and, and that all really comes from the fact that, you know, she was raised to just to take care of those things. And I wasn't raised in that way as, as much as she was right <clears throat> it reminds me of uh you never seen it but there's a scene in rick and morty where they go to a plant they go to this planet where uh the the men and women are separated uh at very young ages hmm. and it's like and you know so they go and talk to like the female dominated uh society and and she's like yeah so we have this special machine that picks people based on gender and sends them to uh to their pretty much their allotted uh area now if they're women they learn science and math and poetry and uh they become uh functioning members of society and if you're a boy you go play outside it's like it shows this baby that gets like taken into school and then the boy baby just gets shot into a slingshot outside to go play (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it, it, of course, that's played up for laughs, but that's very much kind of the background that you and I come from being from like Hispanic cultures. Right. It's so, like, boys, you get away with going to go have fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and what kind of shatters his world in a little bit is that his mom is starting to live her own life now. Um, she is starting Enter to date Melvin. Melvin, played by Ving Rhames, who I, you know, I didn't know how to feel about him in the first part of this movie, mm-hmm. but it's Ving, it's Ving Rhames, right? Like I have seen him, like I love him in whatever I see him in. So He's it's got hard, charisma, man. It's hard for me not to like him, and he comes off instantly as a guy who everything that you're going through right now you know I, he's he he's the one who really calls jody baby boy in this mm-hmm. and and it's like you know everything that you're going through now like i've already gone through it he's almost like the ghost of christmas future <laughs> in this in that uh you 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 find out that jody has spent time in prison mm-hmm. for for something right so it's very clear that that obviously he doesn't have a job when you're watching this movie and if you look at it from the perspective of if you don't take into account the fact that he was in jail, it's easy to say, well, he was probably lazy or he probably had X amount of reasons for why he doesn't have a job. Well, a lot of us who understand the prison industrial Mm -hmm. complex now understand that people who get out of prison have a much more difficult time uh, getting work after they're out of jail, specifically black men who are out of prison. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is a point in this film where Jody, like the best thing that he can do is uh, boost dresses. Get get rich quick at a netty scheme. (laughs) Well, it's not really a scheme, right? Like, I mean, he just basically becomes a booster and uh, it, but it works for him because it's the only way that he's going to be able to get paid because it's hard for him to find work. For those obvious, yep. Yeah, for those that don't know what we're what we're what we're referring to is pretty much he buy he buys stuff that falls off the truck, which is a euphemism for stolen like things. And what he ends up doing is he sells them on the street for you know much high, much more discounted prices, but also for a discounted rate. So he like goes around to local uh, to local like nail shops and hair salons uh, in his neighborhood and just starts. Uh, sweet talking the women and folks and well and some of the men too into buying some of his products right yep and, and jody gets help like he gets help specifically from his mom like on 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 the best practices for 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 selling right and this is like oh, an, that like scene a, with monique right yeah monique yeah, is yeah, in yeah. this as a as like a bit character so i thought that was kind of funny too um Academy Award winner too, like you know, and um, so so Jody, like what I do appreciate about this is that you really kind of get more like through the conversations that Jody has with his mother, you really get her perspective on stuff, and I really like her character, like especially in this viewing of this movie, I think that her character was one I really like more than more than any other because you know she she sees what jody does right mm-hmm. with the women that he's with he's not for it she, but there's nothing she can really do like she can't tell him what to do you know she can she she, she calls him out like she's yeah. not afraid to call him on his shit like it's one of those things where it's like she loves her son yes there's no doubt about that but man, she has no problems like being that person to like to call him on his shit. Mm-hmm. Like I love the scene where 
he's like trying to vent to her about like his problems with uh with a vet and then peanut and then she's just like well you gotta stop he's like you gotta stop fucking these girls and telling them you want to have your babies in the middle of sex yeah and <laughs> just like she's just like that really fucks with people's heads and you don't want to be that kind of person that does that well she also gives good advice to yvette when yvette comes right like mm-hmm. when yvette is coming over to pick up her son like she she gives she gives her sage advice as well as not wanting to be someone who sticks around waiting for something to happen that's never going to happen Right. Mm -hmm. In in many ways, she spends the entire movie trying to grow her vegetable garden in the back. Right. (laughs) It sounds like it's symbolism. here. (laughs) Well, it is symbolism. Like it's essentially the, you know, you're an adult now. I should be able to focus on doing things that I've never been able to do before because I spent all this time raising children. Now that I'm done raising children, I'd much rather like to do things that make me happy and spend more time like just, you know, learning how to be my own person again right becoming a parent like it it shifts the focus of your life to someone else so once you're able to finally shift the focus back to yourself like you know which most people will do in retirement hopefully if retirement still exists in 20 30 40 years (laughs) spoilers (laughs) alert it doesn't (laughs) you know like it's 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 one thing that we all eventually want to get to and um, this is actually where she meets Melvin because Melvin is a landscaper and, uh, you know, creating a landscaping business when he got out of prison is really the only thing that he was able to do because he couldn't find work anywhere else either. Right. And he, mm-hmm. and he talks about it. So he becomes his own business like owner and really indirectly that that kind of inspires Jody to get into the business of selling dresses, which he does. Yeah, uh, so it's it's funny with how antagonistic like they hate each other. Well, let me rephrase that. Jody hates Melvin in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Melvin tolerates Jody out of respect for Juanita and the fact that he's still trying to like you know he's trying to get that relationship off the ground. So he <laughs> super tolerates. Uh, he, he has to tolerate Jody. But Melvin Jody is also hate. Melvin is out of pocket too. Though. I mean, like the scene where he's butt ass naked, like <laughs> cooking breakfast in the kitchen. You want some breakfast? And then he's drinking the Kool Aid. Jody gets mad pissed that he finished the Kool Aid. No, it's funny because like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I absolutely can imagine why Jody is as pissed off as he is. But at the same time, as much as I'm like with Jody, I'm also with Jody's mom in that you also shouldn't just be living here anymore. <laughs> it's really hard because from the word go, I I hated Jody. Yeah. Like as a character, I hated Jody from the beginning and or Joey, Jody from the beginning. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I'm so this guy so fucking annoying and i think i know where that comes from i i think what makes we it, were all joking <laughs> no, well that and i think look this was clearly a role that was written for tupac right mm-hmm. tupac had a charisma as an actor where i even if you watch something like juice where he is very clearly the antagonist and the villain there was a charisma that tupac has 
about him that draws you to him no matter what he's doing right mm-hmm. and Tyrese does not have that yeah he and does I not think have that it factor unfortunately it's the biggest sticking point that I have in this movie and I think the reason why Tyrese works a lot better in something like Too Fast Too Furious or the later Fast films is he doesn't have to carry the movie by himself mm-hmm. and then the I, prop, I can see that yeah I can agree and, with that and between between Tyrese and Omar Gooding like these side these actors that are more I think of more as like side characters and stuff mm-hmm. like to see them try to be the emotional anchors of this movie is difficult and it, yeah I because like you said the almost from the beginning you are more emotionally tied to Yvette as a character than you are to Jody himself yeah you're more That's tied to Juanita as a character you're more tied to you know at least i was i was more tied to uh melvin as a character even Mm -hmm. like you know it's just and and it's like i said i do have a lot of sympathy for you know jody having lost a sibling or you know how he does feel like you know the moment that he i think one thing that we probably should talk about that i think it's easy to forget in all of this is the most difficult part for jody as well could be that the moment that he leaves his mother's house he is no longer being protected by a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that you are no longer having someone to kind of look over you and, and protect you. You are now expected to be the protector of others. And, you know, as we talk about in real life, in the world that we live in right now, black men are not protected, period, right? Like mm-hmm. their lives are very much seen as disposable. So I can imagine that some of the anxiety, and because his sibling already experienced it when he left the house, that contributes to him not being able to go. But the problem is that, you know, doing that causes him to drift further and further apart from Yvette. It causes it for him to be okay with cheating on her all the time with his baby's mother and almost cheating on <laughs> on Yvette with her coworker. <laughs> oh, you know? when he uh, almost hooks up with Pandora. Yeah. And, you know, when he does argue with, you know, with Yvette, they kind of reconcile, but then they go straight into having makeup sex <laughs> and, like, very intense makeup sex, which, you know, look, makeup sex is, is fine, is all well and good, right? That shouldn't be the only sex you're having, though. Like, <laughs> No, not only should it not be the only sex that you're having, it shouldn't be the only means to where you and your partner come to an understanding, right? Mm-hmm. The is only like, way you guys can actually be intimate is when you're fucking, like... Or stop fighting. It can't, yeah. just, it can't just be like, all right, well, we're going to stop fighting so we can now, like, just have angry sex with each other. So we can <laughs> hump each other into submission. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's very uncomfortable because for a lot of the movie i'm just like this is such a toxic ass relationship it is that just leave him god damn it it is it is a toxic relationship now when we're watching it right because yvette understands what she can do to upset him as well like Mm -hmm. the whole reason why the character of rodney who's played by snoop dogg exists in this movie is because (laughs) yvette like while she's, she was having problems with Jody, decided to start sending letters to this guy in prison, right? <laughs> well, okay, this is where, this, is where it gets, where I, this is where I was trying to understand what the relationship was. It sounds like Rodney was Yvette's boyfriend in high school. 
mm-hmm. and that they were together for a little bit. He did time and she mailed him when they were like when he barely went in and then stopped because that's when she got with Jody. Right. And then yeah. but she does end up reaching out to him again at some point between that. Well, when it's she and Jody are on the outs, right? It's more that he reaches out to her though. That was my understanding, no? No. No. Like because she the the look that she gives when they actually start that argument, you know, about him the collect call that's coming into the apartment, mm-hmm. she's she very much the moment that she understands like what uh, Jody's hearing, she gets on the couch and acts like someone who just got caught. So mm. she is very clearly reached out to him at some point while she and Jody were on the outs. And Unless that's she was just like, no, man, this is going to lead to another fight. <laughs> well, I'm sure she did think it was going to lead to another fight. But I also think that she didn't think that her rekindling a romance with Rodney would be anything more than just something to push Jody's buttons. The mistake that is made in this is that, you know, Rodney does end up coming out of jail throughout the duration of this movie, and uh, he ends up (laughs) in Yvette's custody somehow. (laughs) Mm. Which I'm not sure how that works. Like, he pretty much. (laughs) So, yeah, that was weird because he's like, I talked to my parole officer. My parole officer said that it's okay for me to stay with you. And then she goes, man, fuck your officer. Like, she's like, you better, if you're going to stay here, you're going to stay on the couch. So it's like, she has a problem, like, kicking him out. I think, and and you know what? I think she's intimidated, probably. Well, not just because she's intimidated, but I very much think that part of the reason why she has trouble throwing him out is for the same reason that Juanita has trouble throwing Jody out, right? If you throw these men out of their homes, anything can happen to them. And you could end up with the layer of guilt, no matter what the outcome of that is, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like fucked if you are, fucked if you're not, right? So, so the, both things are true. Yvette and and Jody have a highly toxic relationship, <laughs> but there's also a ton of nuance that exists in their relationship that we need to also accept, even though the acting is is you know a little bit ridiculous at times. As much as I like Taraj, as much as I like Taraj P Henson in this, I think she gets better later in her career as well anyway (laughs) oh yeah this is a very you can tell this is like very early in her career (laughs) yeah this is like i think this was the first big film that she did after she was doing sitcoms in the 90s right you can't tell me that she didn't actually suck the shit out of uh tyrese in this movie (laughs) because like when they're arguing and they're fighting and then she just starts like hitting him I'm just like, dude, those sounds like full-ass punches. <laughs> she just like, you know, it, it, she, she has her moment where she just explodes on him. And it, I think it really comes out of the, uh, you know. The- it was after the <laughs> cheating discussion when they went to, what was that place that you want to go to in LA? All right, all right. So the scene the, the scene that, that <laughs> me and Javi had like been stuck on since we watched the movie is the scene where, uh, you know, Jody goes to pick Yvette up he sees Pandora walk by and she kind of like gives him a face and he ends up like sticking his tongue out at her like a kid would. So uh, this is after she after they almost had sex. Had sex. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And he, and that ends up being like the time when he had a conscience about cheating on his girlfriend. <laughs> so, so Yvette comes to the car, she sits down with him and they kind of like have a back and forth about it. You know, but Yvette does not like her. Uh, and she, like, I guess was, like, staring at her all day. And, you know, 
whatever. From there, <laughs> Jody asked her if she's cooking dinner, and she said he's not. He gets angry and calls her lazy, and that's when he takes her to Lucy's drive-thru, uh, which is, oh my god, it actually exists. It is a drive-thru Mexican restaurant in Los Angeles. They even sell pupusas. <laughs> and uh, I was calling and texting Javi about it while I was watching this movie that one day when COVID is over and I can actually travel to places again, I'm going to go try this place in LA. <laughs> Look, like, here's the thing. Angel and I just see food and we're <laughs> like, we want to go to a place where we can have that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, literally, the we had a discussion about Japa Dogs once, like, years ago, and I traveled to Vancouver last year and I... I I, I literally, I literally scheduled time on a trip last year to get Japa dogs <laughs> before my flight left the day I was leaving. Oh my god, that's hilarious! So there are lengths that I will stoop to to get food when I'm traveling in another place. We are disgusting food people. <laughs> we, we love are, it. We are food pigs, and we will continue to be food pigs. So I am going to have one of those strawberry milkshakes. Dude, strum- a place that gives you a strawberry milkshake and a burrito sounds so tits. Yeah, <laughs> like it sounds like it'll destroy my insides, but I will enjoy every second of it. I will yak, but it will be worth There will be yak. You understand that? <laughs> so th- and this, this is a moment where they're like, you know, more or less in a good part of their relationship, right? Until yeah, <laughs> the moment that Yvette is like reaching into the back of her car and find a pack of Trojan condoms in there. Best commercial for Trojan <laughs> condoms ever. I think it, it the uncomfortable part of it really is where where Yvette does tell him, you know, Trojan, America's number one condom. You know, and he tells her, at least you went all out because all I get is a trip to the clinic. And I was like, ouch. <laughs> Ouch. The poor cashier having to hear this as she's like trying to get them their food. Dude, dude that cashier was into it. Like she, she was nosy as hell trying to listen to what was going on. She's like, oh no, please don't. So like shoves head out of window. Right, because even she gives Jody like this little eye roll and he's like looking at her afterwards. Um, yeah, oh it is, it, it is, it was so like my skin crawled when she said that because she's right. Right. Um, is that, does that lead up to the smell your dick scene? This, the smell your dick scene. And then also just the fight, the, the actual like physical fight scene, I think came from this as well. Oh my God. Okay. So when they get back to the apartment, they start arguing, right? So yeah, like to like I was about to say it's Taraji P, but no, like when Yvette gets angry, she you know she goes over the top, and she's like, "Drop your pants! I want to smell your dick. See if you've been <laughs> with somebody." He's like, "No, I haven't been with anybody." Like they get in this argument, he does it so that she can calm down, but you know they they keep arguing. <laughs> yeah, and you know what I think to me, it's I can't help but laugh and giggle at like smell your dick. Like that is that is still like just the most hilarious line, and there's even a song. From, it's like, really the, unexpected. There's a song. There's a song from the mid-aughts called "Smell Your Dick" as well, and <laughs> I, it has to have come from this movie. <laughs> so it's like as they're arguing and as it like intensifies and stuff. This is where Yvette gets physical and starts just like smacking the shit out of Jody. Jody 
in like a fit of rage, doesn't realize what he's doing, but he backhands a vet and and you know just slaps her right. Immediately feels guilt and shame for what he's doing. He's trying, and you know he, but he's trying to do that thing you do when you hit a sibling, and you're like, no, stop crying. I'll let you hit me before <laughs> mom gets back. Well, even worse, you know how I talked about how you know makeup sex shouldn't be the only way to try to alleviate a conflict. No, you he gets can, more uncomfortable. You, you cannot cunnilingus your way out of, <laughs> out you of can't, your partner. You can't cunnilingus your way out of this one, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it is a it's a difficult Super scene. I, yeah, like I remember it being a lot more comedic when I was younger. Maybe because my sensibilities were different. <laughs> Likely because my sensibilities were different. But like watching it what? now. Maybe because you were like what twelve or thirteen when you saw it. <laughs> yeah, but watching it now, like I did cringe really hard because mm-hmm. even though it's very likely that she enjoyed it, the moment that it's over, she turns to the side and you can now see a mark on her face from oh, where Jody hit her. Right, so it is yeah. difficult. Um, Jody leaves again. <laughs> you know, like the, the the running theme in this is he leaves her there by herself all the time Mm -hmm. and when he's gone that's when he you know ends up at his house and sees his mom and melvin getting ready to go out you know and (laughs) and that's where he like keeps like just jawing at like at melvin Mm -hmm. and he's just not gonna have it anymore right like 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 jody talks about how he he's pulled up on his kids and how his kids don't like him and how you're not going to do anything to my mom. You're not going to get her to throw me out. I'm right here. You know better than all of that. And just like threatening him, right? Like just trying to be the toughest guy possible. And it's not baiting him at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when like, you know, when when Melvin comes up, starts choking him. And tells just him that it, out of the blue, like <laughs> it happened so fast. I was like, Jesus! <laughs> But he start he wraps around, he wraps his anaconda like arm. <laughs> it just immediately starts choking the life out of out of Jody and pretty much calling him out. And this is where he just kind of lets him have it that how all he is is a baby boy. And he's all he's doing is just taking advantage of those around him. He's well, not, not in this scene. Not not yet. Not yet. In this scene, all he really tells him is that he, I don't say anything to you out of respect for your mom. And like, just basically tells him I can beat the shit out of you at any moment I want. And I'm just not doing it right now because of your mom. It's very likely am think, that. Am I thinking about when uh, Juanita finds the weed in her garden? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I think that the, that scene is around here. I, the thing about this movie is that it's it kind of, around. it jumps around like through locations and it really is just like, Jody going back and forth between like two different sets a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it's funny thing is that we haven't even really talked about Sweet Pea yet. Who Sweet Pea has is, is, is Jody's best friend who has his own problems with his own girlfriend. <laughs> like, you know, there's like a scene where he, we're, he likes beating people's asses, but also praise to God for forgiveness. Well, he also like is, is, you know, there's a scene earlier where Yvette talks about how Jody and, and Sweet Pea went to like a strip club, you know, and, and, and Yvette kind of gives him hell for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then right after that, when he goes to see Sweet Pea, Sweet Pea is having the same argument with his girlfriend where you pretty much come to find out that, you know, that's 
Sweet Pea lives with his girlfriend and her mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he basically just, like, apparently, like, berates them every once in a while <laughs> when they get into it. I know. It. I remember there was that part where he's, like, playing PlayStation. <laughs> I was like, damn, this movie's old. It did kind of make me giggle when he goes, you know, when he's talking to his girlfriend's mom and he goes, he goes, I love you. He's like, because you're her mother. And, you know, and without, and without you, then she wouldn't even be here. And you let me stay in this house, and you bought me this video game. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my god!" I feel like this is a teenager. That's cool. <laughs> They're like two grown ass teenagers, man. Yeah, and I'm like, "Fuck!" I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "We really are like this now." Like, it, it really is funny that like something that is so or looked so out of the norm at this time is it's so common, so fucking common now, right? Mm-hmm. Like. So it's like I'm not gonna giggle at him for living with you know with someone else's parents. It's just, it's just so funny. It's just like back then you were like, hey, it's super irresponsible. And now, you know, as millennials, we all know that, you know, fucking past generations have caused all of this bullshit to happen anyway. So, so. thanks, boomers. <laughs> Ten four dinosaurs. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, it's just some things about Sweet Pea. Like, ah, there's so many places I can go. I kind of just want to talk about the whole Sweet Pea arc now. <laughs> you might as well, yeah. I mean, again, Sweet Pea, the same problem that I had with with Jody, I have with him is yeah. that if he really was, if this movie was made five years ago and it really was Ice Cube, the way that uh, John Singleton originally envisioned it, the way he originally envisioned this movie was Tupac and Ice Cube being uh jody and and sweet pea and that would have been we got the great value version (laughs) of what could have been (laughs) i mean yeah basically sadly i mean no knock on these guys they they try they They try try acting their asses off especially omar gooding dude (laughs) like there's that part where they do the uh where they're repairing the bikes in the garage and there's that time where, like, where, where there's that part where, like, Sweet Pea does, like, he's looking off in the distance and he's trying to act his ass off, talking about how there's more to life than this. Yeah, it, 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 and that part really does feel like Omar Gooding trying to do the either they don't know, they don't show, or they just don't care. Like, it's him trying to do that scene from Boys in the Hood that Ice Cube does. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube nails it. Like, if you see Boys in the Hood, he nails it. Cuba Gooding mm-hmm. Jr. nails it. Like the, the you know, it's just it, it's just this was years later, you know, it was not the ideal characters you the uh, actors you wanted to cast in these roles, you know. Uh, it just wasn't hitting the same spots it would have if it were Exactly. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um but but regardless, you know, he he is a friend of our main character, so I do like that little side quest <laughs> where where uh you know where Jody gets like robbed by the by those like teenagers <laughs> by the, at the yeah. liquor store, <laughs> and then he has to go back to like after he gets his ass beat, he has to like run and stumble to Sweet Peas, <laughs> and that's where both of them go to like first they go with guns, and they like you know they're go threatening the kids, <laughs> and we end up getting this scene that I told Javi I was like oh my god this is literally the same scene from Batman Forever. Where Riddler and Two Face are like, you know, standing in front of security guard, and Riddler asks Two Face to show him how to punch a guy. Like, and it's literally what's happening in this scene. They, they where just Jody, have like, these kids lined up 
in a line, and then what what does he call the game? He calls it knockout or some shit like that. Yeah. And they're like, you gotta you gotta run up to somebody and you just gotta knock them out. And he goes, let me show you how to do it. <laughs> so he just like cold cocks this dude, knocks him out. After Jody tries to hit a guy and ends up hurting himself more than he hits the guy. Yeah, and then the last one who was like tough, they talk about how he has heart, and that's mm-hmm. when Sweet Pea pulls out a belt and starts whooping him instead. I, I <laughs> like was so parent. not expecting that. <laughs> yeah, again, it's like it was like a comedic scene in, in the middle of all this. But then but that's the thing, I, I think, think you get it was this, supposed like, to be comedic though. Yeah, well, no, it, it, it is because you know because uh jody's laughing but then it gets interrupted by this weird like crazy like flash cuts that have been going on throughout the entire movie where like jody is seeing what happens when he gets thrown out of his mom's house he sees his funeral he sees a reaction to everyone to his funeral and he's mm-hmm. just like it's just he's obsessed with it right like or either he's in jail or he ends up dead and those are like the two things that he thinks about all the time and it comes up like a random moment <laughs> yeah like and again it would be easier to like talk about it if it if this movie wasn't so fucking all over the place at times mm-hmm. man so i guess um the other thing to talk about is the day that or the night that um that Jody actually does get kicked out, right? Mm-hmm. So the night he gets kicked out, uh, Juanita confronts uh, Jody, thinking that and she found she found a weed plant, and she thinks it's Jody's. She confronts him, saying it's his, and Jody, you know, up and down swears it's not him. He has no idea. It's probably Melvin's. So that's the argument that they get into, where Juanita pretty much tells him he's always putting his problems on other people. And eventually, when uh, this kind of leads them into this argument where where Jody tells her that she always takes the side of the dude she's dating and never mm-hmm. actually like the kids, right? And she pretty and he pretty much puts the blame uh, completely on Juanita about after what happened to his she brother. after he basically talks about what is he doing in my house. Mm-hmm. To which yes! she gets like absolutely angry at him, which justifiably too, because she goes, "What bills do you pay in this house? What mm-hmm. do you do in this house? When's the last time you fixed anything? Like literally, you don't belong." <laughs> Essentially, telling him you don't belong here anymore, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Melvin you is the one who's helping me with the garden. <laughs> Melvin is the one who's helping with like you know the things that she needs help with around the house and stuff like that. Like he's essentially become the man of the house now because he's able to help with all these things. Mm-hmm. And Jody, like you know, his, his purpose is not here. Like he he's not a baby anymore. He needs to move on. And you know, Ving Rhames is like <laughs> Ving Rhames is great because. You know, he, he he obviously, maybe or maybe not, you will agree with the way Melvin tells him what you need to tell him. But he basically says, you have an Oedipus complex. <laughs> he tells him, you want your mom to be your woman, but this is my woman. And that's, you know, where they both where they both really get into it with each other. And I don't think that's true. I don't think he has an Oedipus complex, but I do think he has an issue with the fact that you know, again, he wants the woman that he's going to end up with to be more like his mother. Uh, she needs to do everything for him and put everything on pause for him. And it's just, again, that selfishness, right? And that's what Melvin understands is that he is, he's also experienced that same selfishness. Don't keep doing the things that I've been doing 
because it's going to end up the same way it has for him, which is, you know, in jail and with two strikes already, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when they get into the fight and he actually, like, you know, Jody shoves Melvin and Melvin punches him, like just throwing him through the coffee table that just shatters into a million. God, I want to do that one day. I want to <laughs> throw someone through a goddamn coffee table. It looks so cool. Oh, oh, but yeah. So at that point, it's like Melvin is on the verge of like what looks like a nervous breakdown because it's like he knows he messed up fighting like Jody in front of Juanita, and especially. Because of the fact that he has already two charges against him from before, right. and, and he this knows is, that if he gets convicted for something else, he has he goes to jail forever, pretty much. Yeah, and this is the period in the movie as well where uh, where <clears throat> Jody and Yvette have really kind of broken up because not only has have they just like had you know one too many arguments, but Rodney got out of jail. Rodney is staying with her, and he cannot handle it. He thinks that Yvette has essentially left him for, you know, for Rodney. So mm-hmm. he like now is saying that he's not going to do anything for her, leaves the car with her, doesn't ever go see her anymore. <clears throat> and um, and they even have the scene, right, where she says that he doesn't love me anymore, which is like, <laughs> I will say the most heartbreaking like scene in this movie really is the scene <laughs> uh where where he leaves Yvette in the rain right mm-hmm. uh specifically because of the song like that Marvin Gaye song like is is such like anytime I hear that song I think about this movie because it really is one of my favorite like it's one of my favorite songs I, I love it so much but but it's, it was a good use of it like yeah yeah just Ex- everything like the whole scene it works you know yeah i think it's called just to keep you satisfied it mm-hmm. is it's an excellent use of that song my favorite song in this movie uh it, it just tells you that everything has completely fallen apart between them and that's part of it right like part of it is is it's why jody gets beat up by the teenagers it's why jody is like has essentially decided that he's going to take everything out on melvin like you know it, it's mm-hmm. it's the moment where he's got to decide now you know, either I'm going to throw myself out of this house and continue to be a person that's alone trying to figure out what his purpose is, or if he's going to become the adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and he chose not to become the adult, at least just yet. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, but you know what I like about that is it is realistic. It does take people a long time to figure it out before they start trying to well, trying you know to put their life together. Well, you know what? I, I don't know how realistic it is that, you know, <laughs> that Jody was going to kill Rodney and, you know, that his killing Rodney isn't going to cause some sort of retaliation against him or Yvette, right? And yeah, you want to know what I think, honestly? What? Okay, let's get into the the climax of this movie. The Rodney part of the movie? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, I just wanted to say, just with Rodney, is that while he's staying there, while he's staying at Yvette's, he just has utter disdain for Jojo, who is uh, Jody and Yvette's son. Mm -hmm. And he just has nothing but, like disdain for jody as he is as a person he's just always talking shit about him at like any chance he gets and you know he views it mostly as like a prize as a tool as some like more again like as an object right right i mean like she she has to lock the door in her home 
when she's going to sleep, right? Because she has no idea what's going to happen. And that's mm-hmm. frightening. That part of it is frightening. Jody doesn't totally – it's not that he that the hate that he gets from Rodney is totally undeserved. Like, he literally mm-hmm. told him, all you got to worry about is dropping the soap in jail, right? Like, mm-hmm. like he gave him enough bullshit, like, as well. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, Rodney, like, really just wants to kill Jody. He's had enough of him. Uh, Yvette I mean, remember, he also – no, I was just going to say, I also remember he tried to rape like Yvette at one point. Yeah, absolutely. He in front of her kid. Stuff. Like, holy yes. shit. He is – like yeah, I get it. Like yeah, Jody was was annoying, and he was a piece of shit. <laughs> like, but man, Rodney's a big piece of shit too. Yes, that's the moment. That is the moment where where you find out. Yes, Rodney is the villain. Is the absolute villain in all of this. She may have problems with Jody, but you know, even though Jody did strike her, uh, you know, it seems like they're ready to move forward with their relationship. You know, and that's again, it's one of those things where it's like. I don't know. Is their relationship totally healthy? I don't know. <laughs> but for the no. purposes, but for the purposes of this movie, like that's who is she's it, going to end up with. And is it healthy by two thousand one standards? I still don't know. You know, I can't yeah. really. I don't know. Yeah, I, is, I, not for, for me. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works for the characters, not for me, but it works for the characters. Um, and that's where Sweet Pea and uh, Jody are going to now come up with the plot to kill Rodney. After and he, Rodney tries to <laughs> kill Jody in a drive-by in one of the craziest fake-outs I have ever seen. <laughs> you know what's really funny about this is I swear to God, when I when I used to watch this on TV before this viewing, mm-hmm. I remember this scene being longer. And I remember there being like two different fake-outs. <laughs> For Are some reason, for some reason, I remember this scene being even more ridiculous than it actually is. <laughs> so when I saw it, I actually thought it was less ridiculous. <laughs> really? <laughs> was it one of those where you just like created a uh, where you created it different? You just misremembered it. <laughs> yeah, I totally misremembered it. But yes, it is funny that <laughs> that Jody thinks that Yvette is coming to pick him up. It's actually Rodney driving Yvette's car, and he pulls out the gun and just starts shooting at him. And first, you see the scene that it looks like he's he's like bleeding all over the place and very clearly about to die. And then what you actually find out is that Rodney missed him every single time that he shot. What I love is they show the scene where Jody dies. Because <laughs> it looks hella goofy. It's fucking cheating. It is cheating. I wish this didn't exist in this movie because yeah. it is the dumbest scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like there it was completely n- takes you out of it. Right. Like we already had the stupid flash forwards of like all the things that could happen to him in his life. You did not need this fake out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we got it so whatever <laughs> so, it's like shut up you bitches just take the fake <laughs> right so now you know Rodney and Yvette are essentially I mean Jody and Yvette set up Rodney so that he goes to Yvette's apartment uh, the lights are off and the electricity isn't working Rodney gets the idea to go down and check the circuit breakers and when he turns on the circuit breakers that's when he sees Sweet Pea and Jody right there and uh, that's when they chase him down. And Jody shoots him twice in the legs, does not kill him. And, and he's uh, unable to kill him, actually. Like, yeah. we, get that, we get that scene where it's like he's having trouble even, like, pointing the gun at him. In event, and, you know, again, we get all those flash forwards. 
once again. Well, it's what Melvin said, right? Like Melvin said, you can never be like me. Yeah. And at that point, Jody just tells, he tells uh, Sweepy he can't do it. To which Sweepy responds by murdering the shit out of Froggy. Yeah. (laughs) He just puts like fucking five rounds into him and they run away. Uh, Jody ends up going back to his home at, well, Juanita's house. And is like contemplating suicide at this point, unable to really cope with what he's done and what he's had to do um, to pretty much protect Yvette at this point. Um, Melvin ends up coming into the room, sees Jody, and the, you know this is after they've had the huge blow up. Melvin is uh, called out jo- uh, Jody for being who he is, um, and kind of like the way he's lived his life. So we get that kind of like tender moment. Doesn't say anything. Just comes up to Jody and like puts his hand over Jody's hand and slowly like starts loosening Jody's grip on the gun until he can finally take it away. Mm -hmm. And we're pretty much left to assume that from here out, like Melvin pretty much got Jody and he like took care of the gun. Like he got rid of the gun for Jody. He got rid of the gun. And to be honest, I think, the reason why <laughs> the reason why Jody and Yvette and Jojo can continue to live in that house without fear of retaliation from Rodney's gang, I think is because of Melvin. Like think, the movie uh, doesn't the movie doesn't say it, but unless it unless there's intervention from someone who's actually been in the prison system or in a prison gang or has some sort of association, because you know, the thing is they're Crips. They're all Crips. Rodney mm-hmm. is a Crip. Um, I forget exactly what the affiliation was, but Melvin says he's a Hoover Crip, and that's like he he actually says it, you know his affiliation. And you're kind of left to assume that maybe Melvin's the one that helps keep Jody kind of out of trouble and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, regardless, um, it, yeah, you're, like you maybe say, they you're just maybe like... they don't live in LA anymore as well. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know, and, and well, I mean. Well, I mean, it's kind of super implied that they're still in Yvette's apartment at the end of the movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the you know this takes us to the ending where um, where Jody has a, he you know he comes back home and he has a conversation with Juanita just kind of about about growing up, moving on, right? And mm-hmm. at this point, we see a different type of Jody. We see Jody that's a lot more mature kind of like more grounded, more like focused on what he wants to do and his goals. Um, he, as he leaves, he has that moment with Melvin where uh, it, it's a callback. To, I think it was that Marvin Gaye song again, right? Or where he no, starts. This one car. is, the, it's the GQ song. It's, oh yeah. yeah. I right. still love you. So he ends up playing, uh, you know, and also a very good him. song, by the way. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> and you know, call back to what Melvin will say. What do you know about this shit? This yeah. is some grown folk shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which like you know, it's it's nice to know that that he and Melvin have a really good relationship. His fears about what was going to happen when he left the house, at least at this point, aren't they haven't come to pass. He really mm-hmm. does become the man that his family needs him to be. Uh, and Sweet Pea ends up getting baptized, and he ends up actually becoming Christian after yeah. this, which. You know, it's it, the point of deliverance in Christian faith is that you know is that you can you can find redemption at any point in your life, depending on yep. you know even after happens. killing somebody. You know, it's like you you're able to make up for your atone for your past sins. Yeah. 
And, you know, I do like those scenes where I do like that prayer scene where um, where uh, Sweet Pea was talking about that, where it's like, you know, where he's asking for God for the way. And then what was the line he says? He goes, um, you know, we ask you, Lord, for to help us find a way. And if we can't find it, then at least forgive us for making mistakes. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, like <laughs> it, it, it made it made him less of just the side goofy. <laughs> cartoonish character that i took him to be it kind of made him feel a little bit more real you know well what Um, i do like about the ending of this is that it is like it's the nicer ending to you know to to the story than what happens in boys in the hood right like boys in the hood boys in the hood is just it is like everyone it's depressing right like obviously trey goes on to college moves on with his life and gets out of the hood like that is his that his story is that he gets out you know mm-hmm. and doughboy is like the person that he has a conversation with doughboy's left with survivor's guilt over the death of ricky because it came from the things that he was going through mm-hmm. and there's even the subtitle after he talks to doughboy for the last time that doughboy was killed like shortly after right like two so, weeks later or something yeah like so it's yeah. like so so their mother was left with nobody you know, and it's just like, it, it just this movie, at least our characters get some semblance of a happy ending. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to leave the hood. Like, the happy ending isn't we have to get out of here. It's we're all able to live a happier life, like, just in general, right? Everyone's together, you know? Yeah. And, that, and that's, everyone has each other, and that's what makes it nice. Um, yeah, by the end of the movie, the, the, the nickname Baby Boy becomes a term of endearment. And I love, like, it's so goofy and it's hammy, but it's such a feel-good moment when Tyrese, like, walks, his, walks up to uh, Taraji's uh, apartment and he like, and he's about to knock and then he does that overacting, like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. And he goes and he reaches for the key and opens it. Like, I think it looks so stupid. It is. It's like, it's all right, buddy. It's also very heartwarming. <laughs> like, yes. I, like, it's a total feel-good moment. And then, you know, he goes in and lies down with the vet. And JoJo's happy because he has his parents there. Like, it's just a sweet. Yeah. It's a sweet and Who knows? Maybe Jody will one day join the Do We Like Movies, our favorite father's club. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, if there's a sequel to be, <laughs> maybe. I mean, the only unfortunate part is that you don't really find out what happens between him and his daughter, right? Like, I mean, yeah. Jody does also have a daughter that he doesn't really see anymore, but you you are kind of left to assume that, you know, that he's able to now balance his co-parenting well, with peanut with his relationship that he's having with you well it's like the mission right you don't have to see that you don't to, have to see to have it a yeah. satisfied ending yeah yeah so yeah that's about it that's I, baby boy <laughs> yeah, the, the last question we can only ask is angel do you like baby boy <laughs> yeah i i have to admit i do i was going into this thinking that this movie was much worse than i remembered it being Probably because I watched the TV version on BET like a million times, like right, mm-hmm. and I think that is an easy way to kind of cloud my and just the perspective. I think the perspective that I have on this now as an older person, I take it a lot more seriously than I did when I was younger. So it is good being able to kind of rediscover this I, again. I will say some of the parts are miscast in this. And there's certain scenes in it, like specifically the fake out scene, that it's like I could have gone without that. I don't necessarily need it. 
but you know it's definitely a movie that i like and i'm glad that i get to revisit it and i'm pretty sure i'll revisit it again in the future (laughs) even though my wife like my wife is the opposite she totally hates this movie and she wasn't even interested in watching it for this podcast (laughs) but i will continue being into it (laughs) like i don't know man like i remember when i came into and you know i texted you during this movie while i was watching it and i was just like oh my god this movie's so hammy and it's like this movie ass <laughs> but then um you know as i get through and now that i had some time to really think about the the movie and the characters and kind of like the story it was trying to tell like i don't hate it like i really i don't i don't it, i'm i'm going to say i like it i'm it's probably not a movie i'm going to revisit too often but i do think it does its job in telling the story it was trying to tell and i think john singleton got a j- good a good was able to tell get the point across that he wanted to get across you know i think he was able to make his point very well um yeah it's hammy at some point there's some parts where like it's just some bad acting going back to what you said about some very miscast characters um there are some ways that this movie's very dated <laughs> so as long as you can get over that though i think it's uh i mean it it, it it does give you something to think about and it does uh it does give you like a reason to have some very important conversations once the movie's done which i mean if that was its point i think it did it really well so yeah i like it like i mentioned i just don't see myself coming back to it too often yep oh all right well thanks for joining us for the episode for this episode of the show uh we'll hope you guys can come back and join us again next week sorry it's going to come out a little later than we would have liked but it's just scheduling just didn't didn't allow us to record it as quickly as we wanted to but we thank you guys for continuing to download the show and continuing to follow the podcast and please give us reviews on on itunes or apple podcasts and and help get us out there share the podcast link whether it be the spotify or the apple podcast links with people on social media if you can and just help spread the word about the show so that we can get a bigger audience and you know have a much greater audience to 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 review all these movies too i will appreciate the fact that i think our our output in the kind of movies that we've reviewed is so so broad and has spanned so many different genres that it definitely makes me like continuing to do this program (laughs) oh yeah it is at the very least it's not been boring i'm glad we haven't typecasted ourselves as just a horror movie or just a marvel movie or just like an at like we haven't typecast ourselves into one only genre so yeah we love we we like talking about movies that's our shtick so if you guys got anything, uh, please keep giving us um, ideas for future episodes. Take a look at our IG page. We'll probably be making an announcement for the next movie. We don't even know what we want to do yet. So we'll see what we have coming down the pipeline. But thanks, everyone, for supporting. We appreciate it. Um, Talk yeah. to you guys next week. Talk to you all next week. Peace.